Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butt. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. I think we should, I mean... If we want, I could do like a really good intro and then we could cut out all of this like really bad stuff that Ben's been saying. Elevate <laughs> <laughs> the podcast a little bit. <laughs> all right. Welcome everybody. To introduce ourselves, um, go around and tell us your name, what you do, and in honor of Ben-Hur, which came out this weekend, which movie did you know was going to be terrible by the first trailer? Lawson, kick us off. Sure, I'm Lawson Soward, an art director at an ad agency here in Nashville, Tennessee. And I knew from the first 30 seconds of the trailer for Pan that it was going to be a colossal Ooh. failure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know, I like you, Jackman, but no. I wanted good things out of that movie. <laughs> Sandra. I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager, also in Nashville, Tennessee. And all summer, I've had to watch that Warcraft trailer before every movie I went to go see. Oh, such a temple. That movie looked so bad. Oh, gosh, yeah. If I'd realized this was such a depressing question, I definitely would not have asked this question. I like it. I like it, Lucas. Oh, uh, I'm Lucas Wright, a designer from the Bay Area. And I'm going to kind of cheat here, but I'm going to go with every Adam Sandler movie for the last 10 years. The trailers have just been atrocious for every one of those things, from Jack and Jill to Blended. All of it. Gotcha. Mm. Cobbler was. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> when was Punch Drunk Love? Yeah, was that... that was that was over ten years ago. I'm thinking 2004. Okay, you're, 2004. You're safe. Yeah. Yep, yeah. <laughs> well, joining <laughs> us this week, we also have a guest, Ben Weaver. Welcome. Hey, thanks, guys. Um, yeah, my name is Ben Weaver. I'm a filmmaker in Austin, Texas. And the trailer that I saw yesterday, actually, for a movie that I know is going to be pretty bad is mechanic Two resurrection oh uh, yeah that is, what that is Jason's, an awesome awesome trailer <laughs> it's incredible jason statham jessica alba tommy lee jones and the worst dialogue i've ever heard in my life oh, gosh. it's incredible you you see tommy lee jones die in that trailer you see yeah. uh you see he's the, i think he's the bad guy and it, there's the actual clip of him exploding in the trailer <laughs> <laughs> It's so it's true. Amazing. And we get gems of yeah. these di- lines of dialogue. Like, I've spent my whole life setting people up to die. Let's set you up to live. Like, just <laughs> just yeah. garbage. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen that trailer, definitely, definitely check it out. I'm hoping I'm hoping like that if... movie breaks uh, the double digits in Rotten Tomatoes. So, <laughs> if We already know that the villain's going to die. Then we're not supposed to focus on the plot. We're supposed to enjoy the journey. So that's what I'm up for. Oh. Well, our journey today will be, we're going to be talking about what we're feeling this week. We're going to go into Frank Ocean news uh, about his new album, and then we're going to talk about what piece of pop culture we would go back and experience for the first time. Uh, so Lawson, why don't you kick us off here? What are you feeling this week? Oh, man. Um, and what I thought would be the biggest deal in music this week. Um, <laughs> bon Iver uh, released two new tracks and announced a new album. And performed his entire new album in Eau Claire, Wisconsin last week, um, 
which is crazy because that's a tiny little town in Wisconsin, and it just happens to be where my grandmother-in-law lives. And so I've, like, driven by the cabin where he performed his... And I was like, how did you do a concert there? It's such a small little venue, but, like, it's so cool. It makes him seem so grounded. Or it makes him seem... I think he is so grounded. <laughs> um, it's just a very Justin Vernon thing to do, but... Um, yeah, he's no Taylor Swift, but... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, if only we had footage of whether or not he was like a Taylor Swift figure talking to Kanye West in the studio. We'll never um, know. We'll never know. Just take him out of that narrative. I don't know why I'm doing this. Um, So um, the new album coming out uh, is called uh, 22 A Million. And uh, I want to read this excerpt of a friend that was interviewed in Pace Magazine. 22 stands for Justin. The number's Recurrence in his life has become a meaningful pattern through encounter and recognition. A mile marker, a jersey number, a bill total, the reflection of two in his identity is bound up in duality, a relationship he has with himself and the relationship he has with the rest of the world. A million is the rest of the world. The millions of people who we will never know, the infinite and endless everything outside of oneself that makes you who you are. And there's more to that quote, but I was just like so struck by that because of how much I have been wrecked by these two songs <laughs> that was that were released like they are so profoundly moving and existential and um i mean justin vernon does an amazing job of never staying static he never rests on his laurels um for emma forever ago was very good and uh forgive the pun because even i know this one is bad feels like forever ago at this point um based on where his sound has gone from that to his self-titled Bon Iver was like fleshing out with all these new lush instrumentations and then now this is more like uh, some of the stuff that he's done before you could hear traces of the fact that this is what he was into back on Forever Forever Go with songs like Wolves um, where he would start playing with auto-tune um, and voice styling but like now it's something that is just on full display in this and it's a lot more like what he's done with um, Francis in the Lights and James Blake and all the and Kanye West collaborations where he's doing just tons and tons of auto-tune and really showing off his uh, compositional chops. Um, like he has a great voice, but he's been able to do amazing and different things um, using this technique that he couldn't before. So I'm going to play a little bit from the song 22 um, and then it's parenthetically titled Over Soon. Wait. I'm, I meant immediately have a picture in my head, like 
you're standing at a station and there's one light over your head and it's casting a shadow and you're standing there all by yourself and you're contemplating mortality and the fact that everything <laughs> might be over soon and you have taken me there you have grabbed me and transported me to sit right next to you justin vernon and i do not appreciate it because <laughs> it reflects all the deepest most difficult parts of my soul and not knowing what this life is really about but how is this so beautiful and it's just ugh. both tracks are really really good but um 22 might be over soon is just the one that has been repeating in my head even when the song isn't playing uh in my headphones which has been rare um so yeah i i highly recommend it and after having blabbed on this long i'm interested to hear have you guys uh spent any time with these two tracks and what are y'all if so what are y'all's thoughts on everything yeah i've been uh basically these are the two songs that have been on repeat for the last week for me it's been a it's been amazing i i've loved bon Iver stuff for a long time and it's, it's been really exciting to see this kind of come come out all of a sudden and kind of see where because you can kind of get a trajectory for the rest of the album and i'm so excited yeah. about it you know i have listened to them but not spent a lot of time with them I, I think I'm waiting for the album to come out before I kind of like immerse myself in this music. Um, Bonavere, there I just have so many like really important memories tied to his music from college um, that I, I want to make new memories with new music with him and I, I want to do it right. So I'm kind of saving myself, I think, for it. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as Sandra. Um, I haven't listened to either of these tracks, um, but listening to them now, Lawson, I think you put it perfectly that uh, there's like a duality and that it wrecks you. Just that little snippet just wrecked me. Um, and I feel like we're going to be talking about dualities and getting wrecked a lot more later on in the show. <laughs> Uh-oh. Anyone who is interested in listening to it now, I totally hear what you guys are saying about saving it for one continuous album experience. September 30th comes out. You can pre-order now on bonivere.com, um, which I'm totally going to do. And uh, anyone who wants to listen to it now, uh, I think it's streaming on all major streaming devices. I can listen to it on No Problem with Spotify, which is usually the one that doesn't have it if it's an exclusive somewhere. <laughs> so, um, yeah, check it out. Awesome. That's exciting. All right, Sandra, what are you feeling this week? Well, it's going to be a music-heavy episode because I also have um, a song this week. It's a song from 2014 that I have just like really been into this week. Uh, I heard it on the first season of one of my favorite shows, You're the Worst. Uh, the trailer for the show. third season of You're the Worst, yeah, is just came out recently and it's gotten me like excited for the show to come back and in the mood to like be reliving parts of it. So I've been listening to uh, a bunch of music from the show and this one I just find myself like repeating um and it's been such a great song to like put me in a better mood like if i'm feeling bored or like stressed or depressed this song has really been a great pick me up this week it's called giants by bare hands
but romantic at the same time. Um, I've just had a ball with it. Yeah, I love that song. The music on uh, You're the Worst is so good. Um, there have been several tracks on there that have been like, or there was. I remember one time in particular, there was a song on there that I had already heard before the song, before the show played it, and it made me feel like the coolest kid on the planet. I was like, <laughs> the best music, and I knew that one. Um, but yeah, every time they have such a great whoever is in charge of uh, their music is doing a fantastic job. It's introduced me to so many songs that I like, and this one, I agree, Sandra. This one is so much fun. Yeah, super catchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a great choice. I couldn't remember when that song came out, um, but I just remember really enjoying that song and it kind of being some sort of like soundtrack for a couple of years ago. Great choice. Mm-hmm. Thank yep. you. All right, Ben, what are you feeling this week? All right, guys, for this week, I am going to take us back a couple of years. Uh, what I'm feeling this week is an avant-garde, avant-garde French thriller from 1986 called Movie Sang. Um, stay with me. So, um, gone. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm here. I'm here with you. So just a quick summary of of what the movie is about. It's, uh, in Paris, uh, in the not too distant future, a mysterious new disease starts killing young people who make love without emotional involvement. A serum has been developed and Mark and Hans, two aging crooks recruit Alex, a rebellious teenager to steal the serum. Although Alex has a girlfriend, Lise, he ends up falling for Mark's younger lover, Anna. And the reason that I wanted to talk about this movie, guys, is because it wrecked me, as we talked about earlier, Lawson. Um, I had never even heard of this movie, and a friend screened it at a, uh, a film club that I went to this week, and I was torn apart. Um, this movie is just beautifully shot. Every frame feels considered and chosen. It never follows the, you know, establishing shot, two shot, shot, reverse shot model, but instead it finds this precise camera angle and camera moves to tell the story of young love. Um, and specifically why I really enjoyed watching this movie is because it's kind of like a Rosetta, Rosetta Stone for a lot of movies that came afterwards. Um, for example, the character of Anna, um, is her haircut, her character in general was really, um, I don't want to say ripped off, but maybe heavily borrowed from for the movie Submarine. Um, and a lot of the, yeah, a lot of camera movements, uh, were seemingly borrowed, but the biggest one that I've seen is, uh, there's this scene where the main character runs through the streets at night, running and dancing to David Bowie's Modern Love, yeah. which, if, if you'll remember, um, was essentially ripped off in Noah Baumbach's Francis Ha, mm-hmm. uh, which I had no idea. But um, another great thing about this movie is that it introduces us to uh, two actor, or excuse me, two actors who would then come to um, be one of my favorites, and I'm pretty sure y'all's too. Uh, it, the character of Anna is played by Ju- Juliette Binoche, uh, when she was 22, and the character of Lise is played by Julie Delpy when she was 17. Um, wow. Yeah. I had never even heard of this movie. I didn't know either of them were in it, um, but it is haunting. It is uh, incredible. It is beautiful, and I really recommend you guys to go see it. Yeah, when when Francis Hoffers came out, I definitely saw... I'm sure somebody tweeted it. The uh, the running through the street scene with the David Bowie song, um, in in connection with Francis Ha. But that's the, yeah, that's that's what I've seen of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's very strange and very weird, but 
definitely go check it out. Oh, I'm really excited to even just the idea of like baby Julie Delpy is already yeah. has me like, <laughs> up, but the know. is also so fascinating. It's incredible. It's before she even has her gap teeth. Like it's <laughs> oh, awesome. Wow. Here's okay. Here's a question, Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, th- so since they're trying to like, rob the government right f- to find the serum mm-hmm. is that that's the case right yeah is is there any kind of like heist element but like in a weird french way yes <laughs> okay absolutely oh I'm yes in. i'm hooked <laughs> perfect weird french 80s heist movie yeah i love that i'm out of television right now because it's just like oh yeah i'll watch that instead that's way better <laughs> one like how are you it. out of television yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> Did you reach the end of the t- of television? <laughs> <laughs> if I open up the next room, it'll it's like a closet packed full of DVDs that'll just spill out all yeah. into this one. So I'm like, I'm good with where I'm at right now. <laughs> oh man. Well, cool, Ben. We'll definitely have to try that out. I think, I think that will be uh, making its rotation through here pretty soon. Um, well, to get to what I'm feeling this week. I have to take you on a journey of what else I saw to tell you what this surpassed. So this week I watched um, four movies. I watched uh, Batman The Killing Joke, which I thought was terrible. Um, I watched... What about that last half hour, though? Nope, nope, nope. I don't even want to talk about that movie. (laughs) That was terrible. (laughs) I watched Neighbors 2, which I thought was passable. I'm really excited for that, Lucas. It's, I'm crossing I, my fingers. I think some people will like it. I thought it was an I thought it was an okay movie. Um, I thought it was fun. I watched the 1999 <laughs> Tarzan uh, animated movie. Uh, gotta oh, get that great. Phil Collins man. I know, More right? Duality, two worlds, one family. Yeah. It which, which <laughs> as far as as far as like the classic like cell animation that that Disney did during that time period, I think it was probably one of the worst ones. Um, but still so much fun. I mean, just like Mm. comparatively to everything that else, else that happened, like in the nineties with Disney, um, it's not, I don't even think it'd be in my top, top 10. Um, it's no Oliver and company, but oh my gosh, (laughs) I'm kidding. That was the eighties. I'm just, I need to let you finish. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, But that was, it was okay. And then I saw the John Favreau 2016 jungle book movie, um, which was, Good. So nothing really stood out to me this week until I watched something called Slow TV, which is on Netflix. Now, let me give you the backstory on what this is. So in 2009, the main Norwegian broadcast TV channel uh, put a camera on the front of a train broadcasting its journey from Borgen to Oslo um, in all seven hours and 14 minutes of its glory. It did it just on live TV on their like second channel. Um, and Norway ate it up, which caused the station to continue to make these documentaries about absolutely nothing. Um, it's just, it's like the best screensaver you've ever seen. There's not a story. Um, there's like a minimal script in some of these newer ones. Um, not a lot of editing and it's all live and the viewers just kind of like make the story themselves. So they did one where they went, they took a boat and just went up the coast of Norway and just had like, I think 17 cameras on this boat that they just kept cutting between. Um, it just did a live, it was like six day broadcast. It's like whatever, a hundred and something hours. And 
everyone like they, they they basically broadcast it in advance like hey this is what we're gonna do and people just come outside and wave at the boat and they're on tv and it's just big cultural experience for that whole country um that but they're all my heart so much it's it's so <laughs> amazing because they're all like super boring super kind of random things but the whole country gets involved in the, in these projects like they did one that was just a night of knitting and they did four hours of <laughs> just <laughs> these old norwegian ladies uh knitting and just kind of talking about their um you know the, his, so in this the case, history of the knitting. script writers didn't have to weave any yarns. Oh, that oh, is gosh. so charming. Oh no, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I'm sorry. That does. That sounds so like like a warm blanket for your mm-hmm. eyes and brain. Oh, it is. It is. It's 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 absolutely fantastic. And so like it's something that like I've had on in the background, just like at work, um, and at at home as well all of all yesterday i had the knitting one on just kind of all day and, uh, <laughs> it's it's just it's amazing it's not something that like if you don't know what you're getting into it's probably the weirdest thing to try and watch on netflix when you look at the recording time of like a hundred and something hours um but it it, it truly is a, like a celebration a celebration of norway which is just amazing and just like the pe- the people who get involved um in this production because uh, again Again, as time's gone on, the production value has gotten better, um, and it's it's really good. But it's as if this, you know, a documentary they just held every shot, you know, four times as long as as you think they should, and it just continues to get more and more uncomfortable. And yet, everyone loves it. It's just it's so great. So I've I've really been enjoying it. I looked this up, Lucas, and I really loved that first one that was just mm-hmm. a, t- a camera attached to the front of a train. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really like time lapse videos, mm-hmm. and this one seems to be in real time. It's yes. not you know a time lapse video. No, but yeah. It has that same effect of just like you're just like taking this journey with the train, and you're seeing all of the countryside of Norway. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was listening to the Frank album last night. I wanted something visually to like yeah. soak up while I was just listening to music. And I put that train video on and just turned the volume off. On yeah. Yep. The ne- and it would be some, a lot of these would be so fun to just like have on at a party. I feel Absolutely. like, just, like fill Absolutely. your TV screen with and turn mm-hmm. the volume off and like, just let it be this cool visual background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That totally worked. That's making me think of um, this past Christmas there. I don't know if you guys remember, um, there was a like a, a Netflix or YouTube or somebody. Nick Offerman just sat down in front yes. of a fireplace and drank bourbon and drank bourbon yeah. for fifty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> and it was all in real time, and it was great. Yep. You could just put it on in the background. I watched and, the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> and it, Lucas, I yeah. think this is probably the best time to introduce this because I don't know about y'all, but I feel primed because for the better part of two weeks, I've been watching a live stream of an empty warehouse and a dude cutting wood. So yes. I feel like I'm right. I'm ready for this. Exactly. <laughs> No, yeah, but it, it did kind of remind me of the Olympics. Like that's that's you know that's kind of what America does right now is like you get you get off work, you go home, and you you know turn on the TV and watch this broadcast of kind of the celebration of your country, and that is that's Norway's celebration is just slow TV. So they've got I think they've got like seven or eight um, of the I guess they're I guess you'd call them episodes, but seven or eight um, 
pieces that they've put together are on Netflix. So I would definitely recommend checking them out. You don't have to watch the whole thing. You don't have to watch any of it. But if that's something that sounds charming to you, I would do it. They've got 11, and one of them is called Salmon Fishing. Oh, Ugh. yeah. It, it takes a couple hours before anybody catches a fish. <laughs> it's literally just people with their with their uh, lines out one of in the water. My favorite one, Lucas, is I turn on the, the fire one. Oh, it's just yeah. Like a bunch of people sitting in front of a fire. So the camera's just on the fire, but there are subtitles for like the bits of conversation that yep. they're having. Yep. And some of them are just like, oh, yeah, my girlfriend. I'm too happy about that. Like, and just yeah, it's like, like it's like real conversations. Like, just, like, just like, this small talk. It, yeah, it was yeah, really funny to peek in on. Yep. <laughs> well, awesome. Yeah, if you get the chance, check it out. It, it's fantastic. Everybody needs you. No, you can't make everybody equal. Although you got buku family. Let's talk about Frank Ocean. Let's do it, you guys. Now, just just to be clear, he released how many songs on, when was it? He released a couple songs earlier, and then yesterday he came out with the full album, correct? He he released a visual album called Endless um, that has, it's just like kind of a stream of multiple songs all put together uh, with, you know, like the film. And then yesterday morning, he released the music video for the first track on his new album called Nike. Um, so he released that music video. And then yesterday evening, he released the album Blonde, which is a whole separate album of music from the movie Endless. And so he basically yeah, gave did you, two albums. Different tracks. And did you mention um, that he also put out a uh, visual arts magazine in four cities? Oh, right. The, the zine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in uh, Chicago, Chicago, L.A., New York, and London, mm-hmm. and that zine, in addition to being this like awesome art piece, has a physical version of the album Blonde included in it with a different track list. And oh, um, I didn't know there was a different track list. Yeah, so that's what he's like been a talking about. Order or like um, some of the tracks are in the same order. Some of them are in a different order. Some of the tracks have been replaced by different songs. Ugh. So like Whoa. when he's always talking about like, I've got two versions, like I that the two versions there are two versions meant endless and blonde. No, two versions of this LP blonde was just like extra because we all should have been so much more patient. He had so much for us. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. So basically he came out with, he just dumped a whole desk drawer out on us mm-hmm. this weekend. I think so. <laughs> so what what is the what is the order you should listen to? I I haven't taken in any of this yet. So mm. what is the order you should listen to it? How should you experience Frank Ocean this week? Ben, I feel like this is the number one reason you're here. <laughs> well, you guys, I'm not necessarily, I wouldn't call myself an expert. I am only a man who's wearing a hat that I made myself that reads, Frank, comma, where's the album? Um, <laughs> so the way that I would experience it, um, and the way that I experienced it last night was I just like closed myself off in a room, turned the lights pretty low, and I listened to this album. Um, and I allowed myself to live with it um for it's only an hour um but i would go for the album first just because i mean we've been waiting for that for four years you know i'd I'd dive into that first so did you watch endless after the album see i 
No, I watched it first because I was like, whatever piece of, you know, content I can get from him, I want now. But uh, I don't know. I don't think... I don't know, man. Endless is such an enigma. I mean, this whole album, this whole thing has been very strange, but it doesn't... To me, I don't think you're missing much if you start with the album and then go back and watch Endless. Um, I mean, you could just start with Endless and then go into the album, but it was... My experience with that visual album, if we're going to call it that, and not a live stream, um, is just, it was just frustration. Because I was like, what are you going to do? What are you, what is this? What are you, what are you building? You know, what are those things? You're spray painting, that looks cool. Cool hazmat suit. Um, but I was really, really looking forward to the album. And so I'd say get to that first because it does not disappoint. Yeah, the, to me, Endless was, um, intentionally more avant-garde like the whole thing Mm -hmm. and i i didn't get as much out of it um i enjoyed it because like ben i was like oh new frank ocean music like this is amazing um but it just song to song there weren't i only listened to it once or twice Mm -hmm. and it was good like it was vibey and i was able to you know get some work done while i was doing it but it was um because it came out while i was at work but i i didn't leave that experience thinking like oh i can't wait to listen to this track again Hmm. um whereas just one listen through blonde it's like i'm i'm hooked there are songs that i can't wait to listen to so many times that i know all the words it's um just really really engrossing whereas endless i thought was really interesting but um it felt like if they if someone had announced like oh endless is the album like boys don't cry is now endless and that's what you're getting i would have been like what Mm -hmm. so very um, disappointed yeah so it's more of like an appetizer to the album and works really well as that i wonder that if endless was the album um and you didn't know that there was anything else coming if you would feel the same way Mm. i feel like a a part of me feels like that if endless was the album y'all might have like given it a little bit yeah given it a little bit more like attention yeah. And like, um, yeah, found moments in it that you like really were blown away by. Um, Absolutely. Um, it's kind of like a B-side album, like something we'd come back to when you have the time. That's but, like, I'm going to spend most of my time with Blonde. That's exactly how I felt. I felt like Endless was kind of his Untitled Unmastered, um, where it was like there were a bunch of ideas that were incredible, but it didn't feel like they were completely fleshed out yet. Um so I was just hoping, crossing my fingers, we were going to get more. And thankfully, we did. Yeah. So I have been waiting to join Apple Music till he dropped the official album. And so last night when that happened, I joined Apple Music. I made a whole evening of it. I turned off the lights. I lit candles. I was like, this is me and Frank tonight. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and so I... Decided to, like, consume everything in the order that he released it. I watched Endless. Um, I say that I watch Endless, but I often, like, found myself, like, not not falling asleep, but, like, kind of, like, not paying attention to all of the visuals. But definitely, like, taking in all of the music. And um, I watched Endless. Then I watched the Nike music video, which mm. kind of, like, w- like brought me back to life, you know, because it's so, uh, like... The video's incredible. Mm-hmm. Vibrant, and there's so much to look at. Um, 
And then I took in the album, like, just track by track. Um, Endless, like, really... I really, really dug it. I I kept thinking while I was watching and listening to it, uh, similarly, Lucas, to, like, slow TV, how much I would love to, like... If I was the kind of person that threw, like, these, like, dark, cool parties, how I would have, like, one room where just, like, Endless was playing. <laughs> that, like, oh, in yeah. and out of, and, like, sit and watch, and, like, come join the party again, and then go back into that room and, like, watch a little bit of Endless, um, and, like, take, soak that up. I feel like that would be a really cool experience. Um or even yeah, I think just, it would also be really in place at, like, the MoMA in a room or something mm-hmm. where it's, like, all black and you have, like, several discrete chairs there and you just watch this art piece. Sure. Yeah, no. And Lawson, like you said, listening to it at work, I really could see myself, like, put – I have, like, double monitors at work, like, putting Endless on one monitor, you know? Mm. Uh, because the visuals aren't distracting. They're just kind of, like, soothing. Um and so, yeah, like, doing work while, like, Endless is, like, right next to me. So, you know, like, keeping <laughs> keeping me, like, existentially aware of, 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 you know, my place in the world and what all this work means. I feel like uh, Endless has this, like, this feeling of Frank keeping us at bay, like, within arm's distance. And I feel like my experience with it was it was so frustrating because I was like, I just want to experience the music that I know you've spent so much time on. Um, but I still felt like I wasn't getting full access. And so it was a little frustrating for me as a fan, which, you know, I don't actually shouldn't feel that way because I should just feel grateful that I'm getting anything at all. But, um, I was kind of just a little irritated that it was so, I don't want to say cold, but it was just, it, it kept us at a distance. Um, and thankfully, with the album, I no longer feel that way. Maybe that's why I like it, though. Maybe that it's maybe it's a little bit of that, like, you want what you can't have. And, like, when, yeah. someone, <laughs> when someone doesn't, like, seem to be, like, caring about what you th- they think about, you think about them, you, like, makes you want them even more. Mm. And there's definitely commentary on uh, Endless and on Blonde about this feeling of, like, knowing someone digitally and like what does that mean Mm. and live streaming and your life that you feel that you're connected to through the internet and life with people that you're actually around um i mean and so the fact that oh go ahead oh i was just gonna say real quick i mean he references that in that in a line from uh good guy he says you text different than you text different than you look i think is the line anyway keep Uh, going yeah i love how much of a millennial Frank Ocean is. <laughs> I love that he like talks about this in his art, but he doesn't like condemn anything. Like he, it's just like he like acknowledges like the existence of technology without like passing judgment on it one way or the other. Yeah, and he like I mean he's he's done this on both albums now. He'll play a lot of like audio that you know he just like flipped on the voice recording on his iPhone and just let it run. You know, and that's such a millennial thing to do to just like catch all of these conversations that are happening in real life. Um but I wanna I wanna hear a little bit more about y'all's experiences with the album Sandra. You said you like turned the lights off and lit candles. Um yeah. and has has everyone listened to it? I don't wanna speak out of turn or or no, no, I, I, I have not. I have not listened to any of it yet. Okay. Yeah. But I'm I, super interested in hearing um, what you guys' experience was. Yeah, so I listened to 
endless when it first came out and tried to watch it but then once i realized the visuals weren't really gonna do much although i did really like kind of how um matter of factly trippy it was that there were like three or four frank oceans on the screen at certain times like doing different stuff without Mm -hmm. it looking like an effect at all it's like yeah there's just several of me it's like that's really cool like it was very the whole thing was very understated in a way that i could definitely appreciate but i ended up minimizing that and just listening to the music while I was at work and then whenever I um, saw that the Nike video came out I watched that right away and was just blown away by it Um, one thing that really struck me was I felt like the video was better than the song for that one like Mm. out of all the tracks I felt I mean the song was still good but um, some of the uh, elements of Frank Ocean's music that I most enjoy were uh, not not there in that song. I mean, there were other things going on, but some of my favorite elements of his song make writing weren't in it. Um, but the video was incredible and a work of art unto itself. And so I was like, this is definitely it. This is definitely like the music video to one of his songs that's coming up, probably his first single off his new album. And I once it dropped, I was ecstatic and started listening to it um, in the car. Um, I was out and about at the moment and then drove over to a friend's house and uh, listened to it on the way home and then listened to it while I was walking my dog. <laughs> like, So I did not have this isolated kind of like candle, uh, empty room watching or listening to this, but um, just driving at night and listening to it still really lent itself to the experience and I, I loved it. I can't wait to listen to it a lot of times more through. Yeah, I mean, one of the main things that I gathered while listening to this album was that it, I just kept feeling over and over that these songs felt like they were meant to be played at three o'clock in the morning. Um, there, one of the things I loved about his uh, channel Orange was that there were, you know, several different types of songs. There were like the loud bangers, like Monks or Pyramids, um, but then there were also these like slow melodic. Um, like heartfelt songs, you know, Bad Religion, Thinking About You, um, Forrest Gump. And it mm. it feels like that this album that he um, decided to go in the direction of the slow, melodic, uh, heartfelt ones and really explore the emotions that were there, the complex feelings um, that he had. And I'm so happy that he did that because it just, I don't know, I... As I was listening to this album, um, I just let it play. I listened. I made notes. Um, and then a friend of mine came in and was like, what do you think? And I was just like, I'm so glad it's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> because there was so much of a buildup. You know, we were all anticipating it. Um, but essentially, I mean, what he does with this album is he gives us a look into um, his heartbreak and his uh, attempt to get over someone, uh, his attempt to get over a guy. And he lets us see it really, really plainly. Um, and what I really enjoyed about this album was that Frank Ocean has this duality, like we were talking about about before. Um, he has uh, this hyper-masculinity, um, but he also has this uh, secret identity that he's talked about. And, you know, he's publicly come out uh, as, I don't know what he identifies himself as, but in 2011, he did a Tumblr post talking about how his first love was actually um, with a man. And so we know that 
Frank Ocean has these complicated feelings and is figuring out his sexuality and his identity. And this album really lets us in on that process. Um, we get all of these dualities and um, we get all these really, really heartbreaking songs um, that kind of feel, they reminded me, several of them reminded me of uh, really lo-fi productions like Karen O's album called Crush Songs. Um, or like the band Waxahachie, um, really low-fi, stripped-down, raw um, songs that let you into love and heartbreak, um, and specifically young love. Um, sorry, I'm going on a tear here, but I'm so excited to talk about this album. Uh, <laughs> um, what I really got from this album was that I feel like there's um, the first half of it is haunted, and the second half is like haunting. Um, the first half feels like it's just like floating like two feet off the ground. Um, it's just melodic and there's strings and there's birds chirping and yet it doesn't feel completely cinematic and pure. It feels like there's this like this residue of, of a love that, you know, didn't work out. And then at the, you know, halfway through we get nights, you know, which is this banger and you're like, okay, all right, here we go. It's picking up. I, I was expecting something like that. All right. Um, it gets kind of like Aphex twin, like, you know, kid a almost. Um, and then it goes back and goes back to being haunted again. And we really get inside his, not only his brain, uh, but we get inside his heart. And I was so, so thankful that he let us do that. Yeah. Um, Ben, I'm, this is why we had you on. <laughs> <laughs> I I have so much to say, but I want to like sure. make this a conversation. So, <laughs> well, I'm, I, a lot of things you said reminded me of a tweet that I saw last night, and everyone, you know, having their first reactions online to this album. And one that really stood with me uh, was this someone, this guy named Saeed Jones. He said, I just loved his words about it, and I just wanted to share it with y'all. He said, Frank's o Frank Ocean's music catches those sun-faded moments when you're sad for no reason, every reason, every reason to turn to drugs slash sex for a way to hold steady, a body to brace against, a high to buy us some time. If music was a body, it ached like this. Mm. Ooh. Oh, that's perfect. That's, that's so perfect, because that's what this album is. It's aching. It's him trying to get over this love and he can't do it. I felt as I was listening to this album, I was like, oh, we're getting to see like the pieces of a broken heart. Like that's what this is. That's what these songs are. Um, that's a great tweet. Yeah. Um, what tracks really stand out to y'all as ones that like you're going to listen to just by themselves over and over again? Okay. Um, so for me, it, God, there are so many. Um, Ivy is incredible, second track. Um, and mm -hmm. what's great about Ivy is it's uh, it's playful and it's quirky and it's earnest, it's passionate. It, it He essentially captured what it feels like to be in young love. Um, that's what that song feels like. And at the end of it, 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 you know, there are several voices like come together and like do this like scream almost. And then there's just this dead air of studio sound where you hear somebody essentially tearing apart a studio. And, or at least that's what I interpreted it to be. And it, I was just like, oh, wow, he captured the sound of young love from it being, you know, like playful and feeling good to having all of these emotions that you don't know what to do. So you end up just like weirdly throwing a chair across the room because you're 16 and don't know how to feel. Um, 
I love that. I loved Solo, which um, was where we get these organs. And Solo we... is my jam. Ugh. Yeah, I was just about to say Solo, too. <laughs> and he's like, it's hell on earth and the city's on fire. I was like, come yeah. on, man. You're going to give me a good line like that? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, are you trying to meet all the hype? Yeah. Trying to exceed all the hype right now? Um, I loved Good Guy, which was a short little, you know, like lo-fi production where he tells the story of, um, I don't know if he's necessarily falling in love, but, um, going on a date with another man, um, and it's super raw and, um, low key, but even that much more vulnerable. I've listened to it like probably 30 times because it's only a minute long. Um, (laughs) what else? White Ferrari, I think, is also really, really a great jam. Mm. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, it's a great song. Um, I'm I'm also want to say that even though this isn't a track that I will probably like re-listen to, um, the last track, Futura Free, um, has a reference to Selena in it that I really appreciate. <laughs> yeah, well, let's As talk. A girl from South Texas. Let's. Talk about and a reference to a font that I really appreciate. Mm, there it is. Um, so let's talk about that because the the last you know four minutes of that song are really confusing. Um, what were you, what was y'all's experience with that? I so here's what happened. It is I was listening to the album about halfway through. I decided to get on Twitter because I hadn't been on Twitter all night, and I wanted to start like seeing some people's reactions. Um, and so someone on Twitter pointed out that he references Selena. And so I immediately Google Selena Frank Ocean so that I can figure out like where he references her on the album. And I saw that it was the last track. So I pulled up, someone had already like transcribed a Mm -hmm. bunch of the lyrics to the last track. So by the time that that track came around, I had a page up on my computer with all the lyrics. So that was one of the few songs where I like, as I was listening to it, I was reading what was being said, mm. um, which gave me, I think, a little bit more clarity than if I were to have just listened to it by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those conversations at the very end that are very, like, muddled um, made a little bit more sense to me because of that. Yeah, I listened to the album once just listening to it, and then I went back a second time and pulled up those transcriptions of the lyrics because I wanted to know what they were saying. Um, and... But I didn't actually get to the last song, so I don't actually know what they're saying. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was really confusing. Um, but it definitely had that millennial vibe like you were talking about earlier. That that um, It's not necessarily punk rock. I guess you would call it millennial, but it's just like, we're going to do what we want. We're going to record these people talking, and it's not going to be great, but we're going to put it on the album anyway. Um, which I really enjoy about Frank Ocean. I do want to say... So y'all remember the track Facebook story? Yes. Oh yeah. Um, that was the one part of the album where I kind of rolled my eyes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Hearing this guy talk about how like his girlfriend was suspicious of him because he wouldn't put that they were in like a relationship on Facebook or he wouldn't add her as a friend on Facebook. Um, so she was suspicious that she was cheating on him. And he's like, why would I need to add you on Facebook? I'm, I'm here with you right now. I'm like, dude, that is some shady language. Definitely cheating. 
<laughs> That's so funny because I had the exact opposite response. I was like, this story is about like people dealing with technology and wanting to no. be with each other. That was a fuck boy you, right ben. there who did not. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, yeah, I I took that just as earnestly as you did, Ben. <laughs> I was like, I was like. Frank, thank you for thinking through this no. as a member of our generation. I, I, I'm very curious as to whether I, I'm sure he put that track on there with like the intentions of like agreeing with, I guess, the guy who's being recorded. Um, <clears throat> but part of me wants to think that maybe he saw the humor in that story and that like. And maybe that he agreed with me that like, oh, no, I'm putting you on blast because like it is shady that you won't accept her on Facebook. <laughs> well, and I think he does that a lot. He does that with um, what is the song where it's uh, oh, it's Be Yourself, where it's an audio recording of his exactly. mom. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Which he's done that several times. He did that on Channel Orange as well, um, recording his mom, reprimanding him. And what you get is I think this really plays into the duality where. You can take that track, Be Yourself, where it's just a voicemail of his mom telling him to be himself, you know, don't try to be anybody else, don't do drugs, don't drink. And you can take it as a guy who was in Odd Future who's just like, all right, I'm going to go smoke a lot right now. Um, And as kind of just this, like, young punk move, which probably is true to some extent. Um, But the duality of it, and I think one of the most interesting parts of Frank Ocean, is his duality of his finding his sexual identity. Um, Because as you hear his mother talk, you can hear her say, be yourself. But for anybody who's ever been in the closet or had to come out, um, hearing someone say over and over, be yourself, be yourself, don't try to be anyone else, um, that is a message that you've heard on a deep level. Um, And something interesting that he posted on his Tumblr, which I think he posted a a little paragraph um, that I think was in the the zine. Um, But he uh, he there's a part in it where he talks about his masculinity and he says, uh, Rafe Simmons once told me it was a cliche, my whole car obsession. Maybe it links to a deep subconscious straight boy fantasy. Consciously, though, I don't want straight. A little bent is good. I found it romantic sometimes editing this project. And I feel like that really encompasses what he's going through on, on this entire album, where he's talking about um, he's talking about falling in love, and at the same time, he's doing it in a way that we haven't necessarily had that many representations of in pop culture. Um, obviously, there have been a bunch. But um, for someone to wrestle specifically with... Um, homosexuality and hypermasculinity and the duality that those cause um i feel like that's something that we haven't seen a lot of it in these in these ways and so we get you know like little lines of all in the soul and hip-hop arena exactly yeah and that's and we get lines like you know like little lines and that um like in nike when he's like i met his friend's uh, I met his friends last week, like little snippets of like gender identification and pronouns um, that really, I think, give a reading of this album that makes it more complex and interesting um, than it just being a straightforward love and loss album. Um, that was what was really great about it for me. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
wanna die, yeah. Wanna feel it on it, okay, you can buy. Fuck with me at the mile, shit. Throw them boys, wanna see me bunk down. See me bunk now, we wanted to wrap up our time this week by talking about what piece of pop culture you would go back and experience again for the first time. Uh, now, there are multiple ways to, to interpret this question, whether that's, you know, going back to the age you were when you first experienced it um, or, you know, going back now and wishing you could experience it for the first time with your um, with, with the memories and the feelings and everything that you have at this moment. Um, so what guys, what are, what are your answers for this? There's like you said, there's a lot of different ways to like, look at this thinking about this question. I started thinking about what movies or music or shows had big twists that I would want to like relive, you know, for the first time without knowing how it ends. Or I also was trying to find, think of like, things that were so important to me that I would want to like watch them all over again with like that wonder. Yeah. Um, that you didn't know would be important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then there's also like things that I'm just like, maybe, you know, I, ex I experienced those when I was a little young, if I could experience them now when I'm older, that I feel like I might get more out of them, you know? Um, the, the first, the thing that pops into my mind is like the ultimate answer is one of my all time favorite movies, the social network. Mm. Um, and for that, I really just want to relive that moment that I experienced that movie. Um, I feel like I was at like a really interesting time in college. I very, I remember seeing that movie for the first time very clearly. It was a day in October. I saw it at a 12 PM showing in Abilene, Texas. Um, if I could, redo everything about that experience not change a thing i would jump back in time just to do that absolutely i think i had a similar experience with that movie i also saw it at a daytime showing in abilene texas <laughs> um well a small world of all the places oh yeah right. that's crazy um yeah and just i remember feeling i was i was pretty young at the time when i saw it and i just didn't know what hit me you know i i yeah. watched that movie and was like I don't even know what just happened, but I know it was good, you know? Um, yeah. What? A, yeah. It's a great choice. I think for me, I would, if we're talking, if we're just talking about like experiencing it as we were at the time, I would go back and probably re-listen to, um, death cab for cutie album plans. Um, mm. I would, I would sit down and listen to that whole album without, <laughs> without a break. Kind of like you said earlier, candles, mm -hmm. lights off, like just, just, yeah, just listen to that whole album again for yeah. the first time. Yeah. That was a big piece of what I couldn't help but think about when I was thinking about this question is, uh, for artists that I love, like going back in time and going to the tours of albums that I loved. Um, especially if it's a situation where they it was one of their first albums, because um, then if you go to that concert, that's most of what they play. Like they don't have a whole bunch of other songs to play from. Like oh, I could have seen all these for the first time, and you know, like even I mean, I thought about the on the run tour with uh, Jay Z and Beyonce. Like that would be amazing. But also like um, you know the Glow in the Dark tour with Kanye West or. Um, Sufjan Stevens' Illinois tour, like all of these um, albums and artists that I love so much now, and I love a lot of their really early work, it would be so amazing to go back in time and be able to go to the concert where they were performing that early work that I came to love so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's like 
creating like a new viewing experience of something that you like maybe just listen to the album but like listening to it in like this new better way yeah, or going back in time uh, before anyone had heard of Hamilton and seeing it off Broadway for <laughs> um, <absolutely>. like $13. <laughs> sure, sure. I, I was thinking earlier about like, um, you know, Lucas and I had mentioned how this, or we talked before about how this question kind of like caused a little bit of existential dread in me about like mm-hmm. who yep. I was when I was younger and who I am now and how pop culture like affected both my younger self and my current self and um, one thing that I kept coming back to, I don't necessarily want to view all these movies again because they're not necessarily like pleasant movies. But mm. when I was a teenager, my dad made me watch like several films dealing with the Holocaust because he's like a history buff and he thought that, that was really important history for me to like take in. Um, which he's very right about. Um, so I watched, you know, movies like Life is Beautiful and Schindler's List. And this isn't technically about the Holocaust, but like American History X has, mm. like, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. Nazi themes. Neo-Nazi. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, like, I watched all of those movies as a high schooler. And I don't think I was too young to see those movies. I don't think that my dad, like, made a mistake in showing me those movies too young. But I also know that, like, my perspective was limited then and i feel like i would take in so much more from those movies now as an adult than i did as a high schooler absolutely yeah so there's part of me that like would love to like view those movies for the first time now rather than when i was younger even though i don't begrudge having seen them when i was in high school i think that right. they did a lot for me then but I, I i'm curious about what more they could do for me now well that's the route that i went down um now i can pretend i have a reason for not having seen schindler's list oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> sorry go ahead no man. you're good um i mean that's what i was thinking about is like something that I could go back and experience that I just didn't have a context for. And because we're talking about, you were talking about the album and I was thinking about that. Like I was thinking about something that was haunting and confusing and like an enigma. And the thing that I came up with was, uh, the 2001 David Lynch film Mulholland drive. Um, because that movie, I recently, uh, this past week went to a screening of it. Um, in 35 millimeter uh, with the Austin film society. And it was incredible. It was almost like watching it again for the first time. But when I saw that movie for the first time, I was just like, what just happened? I don't even have any frame of reference for this. You know, um, it, 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 like I remember watching it and being like, I didn't know that movies could behave that way. Um, and like trying to tell people what it's like, you're like, well, it's like a Hollywood movie, I guess. But like, <laughs> Basically, it's like he gives you these scenes, like puzzle pieces, and is like, just put them together and figure it out. Um, It was such an incredible experience to know that movies could be so different than what I thought they were. Um, So anyway, that was what I was thinking about. So if I can go all the way to the other end of the spectrum to the most, like, cliche thing, I think it would be really fun to go to see The Empire Strikes Back in theaters for the first time. Like basically being alive when star wars came out having all the anticipation finding out that there was a sequel being really excited about the sequel living in a time where there aren't internet spoilers Mm. and then getting to the theater sitting down in the theater 
and halfway through when this has not become a trope and something that everyone says into their fans when, so they can sound like Darth Vader, like hearing Darth Vader for the first time saying, oh, Luke, I am your father. I feel like that would have some kind of huge, insane impact if I was like, you know. Your head would explode. My, yeah, if I was in my mid-20s and I saw that in like the early 1980s, it'd be like, what have they done to our minds? Like, I, I just, I mean, it seems overwhelming. That is like one of the ultimate twists. You know, like that in like yeah. pop culture history. And like this question really does lend itself to media that does have a big twist in it. That you wish you could experience that like surprise for the first time. Um, when I was trying to think of like what movies or TV shows have great twists in them that I wish I could like see have again. Um, immediately I thought of the TV show Veronica Mars. Um, it's one of my all-time favorite TV shows, and the first two seasons deal, the overarching season has, or the season has this overarching mystery that isn't resolved until, like, the very end of the last episode, and both times I was, like, completely shocked by, um, so I would love to, like, experience that quality television again. Yeah. I was uh, I was talking with a coworker of mine who's super young, and somehow uh, M Night Shyamalan came up, and he was like, "Yeah, I've the only movies I've seen by him are The Last Airbender and you know like more recent." And I was like, oh, so, no. "And I was like, so you've never seen you know The Village or Unbreakable?" He's like, "No." Sixth I was sense. like, "I was like, you've never seen The Sixth Sense?" And he was like, "No." I was like, "Do you know anything about it?" And he said, "No." <laughs> and I said, "I said, go home. Don't tell anybody you're gonna watch it. Don't tell <laughs> anyone at all, and watch this movie because like I could." I found somebody who didn't know the spoiler to the sixth sense. I was that's like, amazing. I was like, I want to be a parent now because I feel like that's what you get to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. It's like we're gonna watch The Empire Strikes Back and Sixth Sense and right. the Crying Game. I'm like what? You can't show the Crying Game to Jeff. I watched the Sixth Sense in the past few years with someone who didn't know the twist, and it was really, really fun. Yeah. Oh, what a great experience. I feel I feel like besides twists, it's also just like the way a film is made, kind of like Ben, what you, what you said about um, David Lynch, like just just like somebody who who you know changes something about the way a film is made or something that you've never seen before. Um, I was thinking about Christopher Nolan's Memento um, and just seeing a movie play backwards, basically like that. That to me, I mean. Whether you think it's gimmicky or whether you think it is brilliant, like uh, that, like not having seen something like that before when I first watched it um, was incredible. Just like a completely new narrative for me. Um, And I I don't know if that's necessarily something that I would that I like crave to go back and re-experience again. Um, But those types of experiences are the ones that um, I feel like I want to revisit. This is the time travel element in general is has so many facets to it. So I know, like, there, there's this so thought many, experiment. There's so ahead. many times when I was like, oh, I was thinking about this in the context of if I could watch it for the first time today, you know, as the, as the adult that I am mm-hmm. and not have seen it when I was younger. And then that really makes you think like, 
would I be a different person today if I hadn't seen it when I was younger? You know? <laughs> and like, then you just I get a butterfly seen... effect with Ashton Kutcher and you're like, oh, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> okay, Ben, I was just about to bring that up because the plot of Butterfly Effect by Ashton Kutcher is he can only go back in time whenever he watches like home movies of himself. Like he has to watch Whoa. a movie and transport back in time to that time. And I was like, if you can only transport based off the things that you're watching, like that is this experiment. Oh. That is this thought. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so I have seen all of Friends except for the final season, and I have oh. I have never gone back and just watched the final season. Mm. Um, but I'm watching. I, I me and Rebecca rewatched Friends um, over the past really over the past like a year. We've just been kind of going through it again, and I'm about to get to the final season and it's going to be so weird watching like friends episodes that i have never seen mm-hmm. that's a, did, that is a strange phenomenon like yeah 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 and you yeah. intentionally did that right like just not watching it or was yeah. it just like oh, i never got to it, it no it it, it it was like I, I didn't watch it you know when i when i was a kid and then now it it's always just been like i'm not gonna watch the last season i'm just yeah. not gonna watch the last I, season, and now i'm gonna do it you're just wary of the <laughs> finale where rachel kills chandler <laughs> <laughs> What if you did just spoil it? <laughs> I, uh, as Willis is a ghost. <laughs> no, I knew a girl once who uh, she uh, intentionally didn't watch Giant because she loved James Dean so much. And she had seen oh, East of Eden oh, and oh, Rebel man. Without a Cause. And she said, if I watch Giant, then that means that he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <Gosh. laughs> It's yeah. kind of true though. Like it's like it's over. Like if you if you right. don't if you never actually finish something, then it can never actually be be gone. So well, and that's what I was thinking. Also, statements like that, Ben, are like make it so evident that you went to film school. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I I mean I haven't seen Who's Giant. I just someone about the, the film credits of. Yeah, well, I was thinking about uh, like things being over and uh, kind of what Lawson was talking about. Um, if I could go back to when LCD Sound System played their last Madison Square Garden show, um, okay. I, I actually wasn't there for it because I was really young. But um, but if I could go back and experience that, I feel like it's kind of what you were talking about with friends where it's like, OK, this thing is over. OK, we're putting a button on it. OK, we have to go on with our lives. Yeah. That whole narrative is now completely deconstructed. Now that they're back together. But I don't mind. But um, I feel like that would be just a great experience to go back to because it's like all these people in one place who love this music, who really just want to dance. Like, let's do it. There are so many things that we'd love to experience, but those things, those experiences that we had kind of made us who we are. So it is impossible we have concluded finally that <laughs> right. we cannot go back in time. I'm glad that we've that come is to the that ultimate, conclusion. That is the ultimate mm. conclusion. <laughs> that so. it is not possible for yeah. us. <laughs> as, as much as we want to talk about it on podcasts, that yeah. Yeah. it's not a reality. <laughs> yeah. But. Lucas, that was a very good Carrie Bradshaw. Uh, <laughs> JD from Scrubs. Like, yep. I'm really impressed by the way you wrapped that up. Yep, yep. You know it. That, that being said, I do want to hear from any of our listeners. Definitely, you should tweet at us. Like, if you could go back and experience something for the first time, what it would be. I love hearing people's answer to this question. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and what's your angle? What do you want to? Is it just for the time travel? Do you just want to go back to whenever you were 14 so you can watch this, or do you want to go back with the different all the knowledge you have now to see it for the first time? Do you want to skip it from when you were a kid and watch it now? Play it all out. Yeah, all of it. give us the, the context. Yeah. So, um, yeah, go ahead and tweet at us, email us, whatever. 
Uh, we're on Twitter at Feeling It Pod. Um, we also this week created a Facebook page. So for any of you oh, that yeah. are not really into Twitter but are active on Facebook, we are Feeling It Pod on Facebook. So go find us there, and we'll be sharing links to the episodes and links to stuff that we usually share on Twitter there as well. Yeah, make sure to tell us happy birthday once a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's uh, let's wrap up and tell us where we can find you guys. I'm Sandra Amstutz. You can find me at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. I'm most active on Twitter right now, but I'm getting back into Instagram, so you can follow me there. I'm Lawson Soward. You can follow me at Lawson West on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Um, yeah. Say hey. Don't have... <laughs> Let me try that again. <laughs> um, say hey. Don't not say hey. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I think we can leave that in. All right, later. <laughs> ben, where can we find you on online? You guys can find me on Twitter at BenWeaver27, because apparently there were 26 Ben Weavers on Twitter, and in <laughs> hipster coffee shops in Austin. Awesome. Um, and I'm Lucas Wright. Uh, you can find me at Lucas and Stuff on Twitter. Uh, go ahead and let me know what you thought of Slow TV, whether you hated it and it's the worst thing in the world, or whether uh, you want to go to Norway now. So thanks for listening. <laughs> Adios, guys. Bye. Ben, thank you so yep. much for being here. Thank you Absolutely. guys for having yeah. me. I really enjoyed it. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 